Welcome to the perfect place for imperfect people. This is the Local Church Podcast, and we hope this message both challenges and encourages you. Here's today's message. I'm Johnny. I'm one of the pastors here, and I know about three things this morning. I I know it's hot. I know it's summer, and we're starting a brand new series today that I'm really excited about. It's called Summer Playlist. Summer Playlist. I I love that I get to kick this off because nobody gets to steal the song we're going to do today. Summer Playlist. Think about your summer playlist. These are just summer vibe type of songs, and what we're doing is we're looking at at one in particular that we're going to pull a biblical theme or a biblical truth out of. We're going we're to use the culture uh, to reach the culture this morning. So in that, in that summer playlist, think about some of your songs uh, that you like, that you have. Uh, if you're going to go to a ro- on a road trip, hopefully you're going to the mountains, you're going to someplace cooler. But think about a, about a summer playlist and, and the songs that are on it for you. Tracy and I were at the, at the beach yesterday, and, and we had some playlist-type songs going. And uh, we don't always agree on music, uh, and that's okay. We've been married a long time. We know how to make those things work now. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. After 41 years, we've learned some things. But, but we were listening to some summer playlist-type music. We, we listened to uh, Lionel Richie yesterday, Say You, Say Me. Say it together. It was a great song. We were holding hands under our little umbrella listening to Lionel Richie. My wife loves Lionel Richie. I didn't say anything about the music. She loves Lionel Richie. I'm okay with that. He's a, he's a, he's a good human being. But Lionel Richie, here's one that we both have in common. We, we, both, we both really love Johnny Swim. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of Johnny Swim. It's a husband-wife duo. She is Donna Summer's daughter. And uh, her and, and her Cuban husband make the most amazing music. We went to their concert a few years back, and uh, it, it's, it's, it's wonderful. Ring the Bells is a, is a great uh, um, single that they have that I, I really, really love. At some point, though, we're going to listen to some, uh, some gospel or some contemporary Christian. We're going to go to worship music. And uh, one lately that I'm really listening to, in fact, I, I listen to this particular song just about every single morning called Brighter Days by Blessing Offer. Uh, that's not a group, that's an individual. Blessing is his name. Blessing Offer, he's a Nigerian man, legally blind, voice of an angel. Start your day out with Brighter Days. Uh, it, it's incredible. Um, so if we're road tripping, need to breathe, I love their vocals. Need to breathe, put the windows down, put on some need to breathe, crank it. It's awesome. But at some point, at some point, I'm going to turn the dial back. I'm turning the clock back to the 70s. Okay, because I never left the 70s. They left me. Uh, And and so I'm going to listen to a little bit of of the 70s, which was the greatest decade uh, in music, uh, I believe, uh, in, in my lifetime anyway. We can talk about it in the lobby afterwards if you don't agree, but you will lose. Uh, and so uh, I turn it back to the 70s. The Eagles, Take It Easy. Is that a road trip song? That's a road trip song. The Eagles, Take It Easy. Great road trip song. Um, if you want something a little more uh, fiery, how about Boston, More Than a Feeling? Uh, that's a, that's a, a, a good road trip song as well. But for, for me... In the 70s, uh, thinking about the, the music that I love, uh, I, I love the 70s. And I love this band. I am an unashamed, full-fledged member of Skinnerd Nation, uh, the band from Jacksonville, Florida, Leonard Skinnerd. 
and uh, you probably know them from Sweet Home Alabama and that kind of thing, but there's a ballad they have that has biblical truth in it that I think about every time I hear it. And I play this particular song at least once a week. And my wife will probably tell you it's at least once a day. But, but, but I love Simple Man by Leonard Skinner. It, 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 it's, a, it's a ballad, it's a Southern ballad about a man that's thinking back about what his mama told him. It's just good advice. And so I wanna play about 30 seconds of it is all. It's a long song. This is just the intro to the, in the very first line. It's, it's about 30 seconds, so um, bear with us if you're, if you're not a big Skinner fan, but 30 seconds, simple man, and then we're gonna build off that today. We're gonna talk about a simple faith, the gospel of Christ and how we cannot get away from that. We, we make a big mistake when we get away from the simple message of Jesus Christ, but we're gonna lead into it with Simple Man by Skinner. in front of a barber shop, obviously. <laughs> They're not standing in front of a barber shop there. Simple, simple man, that song and, and the philosophy of that song, being a simple man with a simple faith has resonated with me uh, again for over 40 years. And, and, and here's where we're going. We're gonna build on this simple faith, this simple gospel today. Because a simple faith is, is not easily moved by the things of the world. A simple faith in the simple gospel of Jesus Christ, doesn't chase shiny things that the world offers. A, a simple faith knows where to go for help and hope. It doesn't wander too far away. Let this represent the, the gospel. Let this represent the cross. A simple faith doesn't wander away looking for hope and help and answers over here. A, a simple faith isn't going to run Every time the donkeys and the elephants and the people behind them are fighting at each other, it's not going to jump in that fray because it understands that's not where our trust is. Our trust and our hope is over here in the Lamb of God. A simple faith isn't going to get caught up in that. A simple faith. And so we're going to unpack this today. It's simple, but it's profound. It's simple, but profound. We're going to be in the book of Acts today. Acts chapter Three. We're going to go a little bit deep. We're going to learn a new Greek word, but we're going to begin in Acts chapter 3. We'll spot you on the screen in just a moment. Give me about two minutes, but if, if you've got your phone, you can, you can go to the church app. You can follow along. You can fill in the blanks, uh, get your favorite translation on there, whatever, but we're going to spot you here in just a moment. Let me give you a little bit of background where we are this morning in Acts chapter 3. This is a brand new dispensation. The old uh, has, in Hebrews, has passed away. Jesus has fulfilled it. We didn't, they didn't just negate it. Jesus came, as the prophets in writing said he would, and fulfilled the, the, the law and the prophets and, and, and all of that. And, and so now, when we pick it up in Acts chapter 3, we're about 60 days post-burial resurrection of Christ. 
Crucifixion, burial, resurrection. We're about 60 days out from that. And so when we pick it up today, we're looking at the simple gospel of, of Jesus. What the early church with, with Peter and John, who we're going to read about in just a moment. Peter and John, uh, Philip, James, those were the leaders of the early church. They didn't drift away from this gospel, this simple message of Jesus. They didn't drift away from that. Paul, who took it after them and, 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 and ran with it throughout the rest of the world. He was the, 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 the most prolific church planner, evangelist, missionary, minister uh, ever. He didn't... He didn't run away from that simple message. He took it around the world. And so we want to look at this this morning. We're going to look at, at, at a proclamation. What was the very first message that was ever preached by the early church? Again, it's a brand new dispensation. The Holy Spirit was given in Acts 2. He now resides inside the believers. 60 days back, 61st day, 61 days back, he, he moved upon believers. But now, after the birth of the church in Acts 2, he lives within us. Now, it's a brand new dispensation. It's an important time in church history. It's an important time in history of the world. What, did, what was the message of this early church? It was the simple gospel of Jesus. Let's look at it. Acts 3, 1 through 10. Now, Peter and John went up to, together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. Leave that up for just a second. Peter and John were going to the temple. They weren't going to the temple to sacrifice like many other Jews would have been doing. They went after the sacrifices. They went during the hour of prayer. Peter and John are going to the temple. They're going to go pray, and they're going to evangelize because that's what the early church did. Evangelism is not a bad word. It is a very good word. It's what we should be doing today. They were going to evangelize to the temple to pray and tell a lot of these people that were there about Jesus. You remember that 60 days ago? Uh, what happened 60 days ago? Well, he's alive. He's walked around. I've seen him. They're evangelizing. So they're going to do the work of God. Look at verse 2. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful. The gate was called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. This man, somebody took him and brought him just about every day to the temple to beg. He was a, he was a beggar. So for years probably, maybe decades, they put him at a certain gate of the temple, and, and he would ask alms. And so... Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for a handout. He asked for alms. Verse 4. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. Now, I want to I pause there for just a second. This isn't going to be on the screen. This is just a side note in the reading here. But, it, but it's, it jumps out to me. We have to be careful, church, that we don't get so preoccupied doing the work of God that we, we miss the will of God in the moment. They were going to evangelize. They're going to prayer. They're going to the temple. They're going to go inside. They got to move around. Listen, dude, get out of our way. We got to go in here. No, they saw the will of God in the moment was this beggar. It was this man. It was this person who couldn't walk. They weren't so busy doing the will of God or the, the, the work of God that they missed the will of God. And we can't do that either as a, as a church, as the local church. Uh, man, we have plans. We got programs. We got things we want to uh, accomplish here on this 10 acres. That's good. And we should do. But in the midst of all that, we can't forget our neighbors 
Um, we can't forget those people. And those people always, it, it always represents people. It always represents strugglers. It always represents people who are struggling or they're, they're going through something. We can't walk over or around people to get to the work of the church. Uh, and, and what I love about the local church is we don't do that. Yesterday, we fed over 400 families in our food distribution. We do it the second Saturday of each month. They line up all the way to the bridge at 595, and they come through, and we've got it down. Felicia's got it down. And, and so we feed 400 families a week's worth of food, and it, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. But listen, you in your home, you, you can't get so busy doing the work of God that you miss the will of God in, in, in certain moments. Your marriage... That's a work of God. Raising your kids, parenting, that's, that's a work of God. But don't get so busy, wrapped up in all of that that's good stuff, and you should be doing it, that you forget about your neighbor. Live local, love local is something we do every so often. It, it's something that is today. You'll hear more about it in the connection time. But that's an outreach that we do. It's just simply, hey, don't forget about your neighbor. Care for them. If you're mowing your yard, mow theirs. You're going to wash your car, wash theirs. So it's just something like that. So don't get so busy. We can't get so busy doing the work of God that we forget the will of God. And so look at verse 5. So he gave them his attention, the beggar did, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, and he lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, maybe for the first time ever. This man enters the temple, walking, leaping, and praising God. Verse 9, and all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Here's our first big thought for the day as we unpack this simple faith. If God always gives us what we want, we may never get what we need. If God always gives, gives us everything we want, we may never get what we need. And a simple faith knows the difference. A simple faith trusts God for our needs, but understands we're not always going to get everything that we want. You know, this man's body was a, a, a physical, sort of a metaphor, a physical analogy for what happens in us spiritually. This man's body, his broken body that did not work was, is a physical analogy for what God does inside when he meets our greatest need. He makes beggars into children of the king. He, 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 he cures us. He heals us from that crippleness that's inside of us, that sin that's inside of us. Uh, inside of us. And, and he, he, he gives renewal. He makes us to raise up. He gives us new life. He gives us refreshing and we become something different. He did that for me. He did that for this guy right here. When I was a teenager, October of 1980, I was, a, I was a teenager. I was 18 years old. And I remember going into my bedroom. I'd only been going to church maybe two months or so. I had this new blonde that I was dating named Tracy. If you wanted to date her, you had to go to church with her. 
And so I, I, I go, and the, and the preaching started to make sense, and God started to move on my heart. And in October of 1980, I didn't know what I was doing, but I, I went in my bedroom. I got on my knees as a beggar. I gave my heart to Christ, and I got up a child of the King, church, and I've never been the same since. <laughs> Amen. That's all God. That's all a work of God. He takes mangled and broken sinners. He heals us, and he gives us refreshing on the inside. We're new creatures on the inside. Thank God he didn't give teenage Johnny what he wanted back in that season. He gave me what I needed. I had a Monte Carlo. I wanted a 442. I had a, I had a nice Monte Carlo. It was a fairly late model. It was white. It had the Craigers on it. It had the Kenwood system in it. It had a power booster. Anybody old enough to know what that is? A power booster, yeah, man. A power booster in it. Uh, it had the, the blue velour, plush velour, bench seating. It was bench seating. There were, seat belts weren't a thing back then. So bench seating, so Tracy could slide right on over. We go cruising, we go to the movies. I had that, but my heart, which is a want factory, wanted a 442. I had a ski boat. I look back, I think, what is my mom and dad doing letting me have a ski boat, much less drag it 20 miles to the lake? But I did. They did, and I did. I had bought it with some, with some money over the summer. I had a 14-foot, not big, but a 14-foot glass drawn that was a ski boat. It had a 50-horsepower uh, Johnson on it. You could get me and four other folks in there, and we, we would ski all over the lake. I wanted a bigger boat. I had a boat. I wanted a bigger boat. I wanted, I wanted more people. Uh, I wanted more coolers, more beer, more parties. That's what teenage Johnny wanted. Thank you, Jesus, for giving me what I needed. I got up, and I was a child of the king, and I've never, ever been the same. That's the simple yet profound gospel of Jesus. He gives us what we need. He doesn't always give us what we want. So this miracle... Let's just continue the story. This is going to cause a stir, let's just say, with these unredeemed Jews in the temple. Uh, they're going to be staring. Let's look at, at, at Peter's reaction to them. Acts chapter 3, we're just continuing, verse 12. So when Peter saw it, what did he see? He saw everybody staring. He saw their faces. They're, what is this? He responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered and, and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. Pilate was going to let him go. I find no fault in this man. But you, verse 14, denied the Holy One and the just, and you asked for a murderer to be granted to you. Give us Barabbas. Crucify him. Give us Barabbas, who was a murderer. And you killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses." And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him and has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Yet now, brethren, I know you did it in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets, that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Here's the simple gospel, verse 19. Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence 
of the Lord. Here's our second big thought for the day. A simple faith never wanders far from the cross. Again, let this represent the cross. A simple faith never wanders away too far. Now this proclamation that Peter just gave, that proclamation, Jesus is the Christ, you killed him, repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. That's the simplest gospel of Jesus there is. That was the message of the early church. He gave it, Peter gave it in Acts 2. We see it in Acts 3. And then he's going to repeat it in Acts 4 because he's going to get taken to the principal's office for healing this guy. So he gives it to the rulers. Jesus was the Christ. You killed him. Repent uh, and be, be converted. Repent and be saved that your sins may be blotted out. Times of refreshing shall come. That is called the kerygma. K-E-R-Y-G-M-A. It's a, it's a Greek word. It, it means proclamation. It's, it's transliterated. There's, there's not really a, a, a really good uh, English word for it, but, it, but it sort of means proclamation. But it's the original proclamation. Again, the early church never deviated from that message. They hung on to that message. The early leaders of the church in and around Jerusalem, Judea, Paul ran with it around the rest of the world. It never, uh, it, it never went away from that. And so, church, we can't either. The church gets in, in, in trouble. The church gets in trouble. The local church, the one across the street, the one down the street, the one in plantation, all, all the churches around here, we get in trouble when we wander away from the cross. When we maybe chase social things that, yes, have significance, but we can't abandon the message of Jesus. There were socially significant things uh, in and around the first century church in Jerusalem. They didn't abandon this message and go chase after what was culturally popular at the time. The church can't do that. Who else is going to carry this message? If we abandon it, there's no one else. The church cannot uh, drift too far from this. But listen, neither can you. The most dangerous place for you to be is away from this. The most dangerous place for you to be is to to get away from that. And and I'm just saying, I, I, I have the privilege of pastoring. I know lots of people. And I can tell you, I know people that I love dearly who in the last six or eight years, because of all the political turmoil, because of COVID, they not only drifted away, they jumped off the stage, they head out the side door, they go to Flamingo and they catch the bus to Hialeah. That's how far away some people are. And I'm praying for them and I want them to come home. I want them to come back. And of course, we are now in a new dispensation. We're in the age of grace. God wants them to come back. He's pulling on them to come back to this, the simple gospel of Jesus Christ and, and to not abandon it. I want to give you four reasons that you might wander away from the cross. This is four reasons that, that are warnings for you. And these are four things, again, as a pastor, as a counselor, but especially as a human. These are things that tempt me to walk away at times, to drift away at times. And so if it hits me, it might just hit you as well. Let's look at the first one, suffering. Suffering is one of those things. I had a pastor a long time ago, Bobby Boyles in Oklahoma, a long time ago, he told me, I was a 20-something-year-old kid, uh, and he took me under his wing, and he said, he said, Johnny, when people hurt, they're either going to run away from God or they're going to run to God. Our job is to shepherd them 
and get them to run to him. I've never forgot that. I've heard it a lot of times in variation since then. But people will. They'll either run away from God or they'll run to God when they are hurting. That just means things haven't worked out like you thought they would or should. Maybe somebody passed away that you love. Maybe somebody walked out on you. Maybe, maybe your marriage failed. Maybe your job laid you off. Maybe you lost your house. Maybe you lost your health. Whatever it is, things haven't worked out the way that you would want them to work out. And God seems distant. And he, here's, the, here's the problem, because when God seems distant, I want to, let's just let, here's a better example. Let's let, let's let this represent your story. This mess of, of notes here. Let this represent your story. This is your suffering. This is, this is what's happened to you. This is the narrative. And to you, it's sacred. This is your trial, your extended trial, the things that you have walked through. And by the way, you, please feel safe. You can bring that here. We, we, will, we, we will help you heal. We're not going to step over it. We're not going to step on it. We're not going to put it behind us. We're not in denial. We can help you walk through some of these things. But here's where people make a mistake because God seems distant. He's up there. I'm down here. And, and we will interpret him or we'll try to make sense of him. We'll try to read him through the grid of our suffering. I'll try to make sense of him through the grid of my story. And when we do that, when we, when we, when we look at God through this and we try to read him through this, it doesn't make sense. It misshapes him. It misforms him. And he comes out looking like something that he's not. And that's the temptation. When we are suffering, we can't just, uh, we can't just interpret God through the grid of what we're going through. Again, you, you'll get depressed. You'll get cynical. You'll walk away. You'll run away. And it may be years before you come back. Here's how we should suffer. The Bible doesn't always tell, tell us exactly why we suffer, but it does a good job of telling us how to suffer. And here's how we should go through it. If this is your story, and this is the, the simple gospel of Christ, this is the cross, this is Jesus, we, 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 we don't interpret God through the grid of our story. We interpret our story through the grid of God. We interpret our story through the grid of Christ, of his love, of his uh, the, the fact that he gave himself for us, the fact that we were sinners far from him, and yet he leaves heaven to come and be one of us. He gets on a rescue mission, and he literally suffers. The Son of God suffers and dies for us. We interpret our story through that, through that love. We interpret it through the fact that Jesus himself suffered we don't serve a high priest or a savior who doesn't know what it's like to suffer. He knows what it's like to suffer. He was abandoned. He was beaten. He was spit upon. He came in a rescue mission for humanity, and most people turn their backs on him. You don't think he knows what it's like to suffer. He bled, as it were, drops of blood for you and me. We can, we can interpret our story, our suffering through the grace of God, through his love, his kindness, his goodness. And when we do that, when we do that, now this is a process, y'all. This isn't a one-day thing. But when we begin to do that, this now is not just random pain. God can redeem this story. He can give beauty for ashes. He can, he can give purpose even to it. 
Uh, he can take us. We'll, we'll realize God has taken me where I never would have gone to create in me what I never would have become. And now I can help others who are struggling and who are suffering. That's God redeeming stories. He does it all the time. He can do it in your life too. But we can't continue to interpret God through the grid of our suffering. Look how Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians 4. It says, this is pretty famous. You probably have heard these, this passage before. We're hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. We're struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. Always carrying about in the body. Hold that up there just a second. We're carrying about in the body. That's the church body. We're carrying about in the body of Christ the dying of the Lord Jesus. We haven't abandoned that. We haven't abandoned the message, the dying of the Lord Jesus, so that the life of Jesus can be manifested in our body. What happens if the church moves away? If the church abandons this message, then we're not carrying it around. Where is the hope for humanity? All we have is our suffering then. And so we interpret our story, we interpret our suffering through the grid of, of the goodness of God that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. Suffering is maybe the number one way that, that, and the number one thing that pulls people away from the cross and away from the message of Christ. Okay, let's look at the second one, false teaching. False teaching is one that's really pretty prevalent throughout Scripture. We, we think that sometimes there's only other voices uh, yelling at us in this culture. Please, it's always been that way. There were false teachers in, in, in Christ's day. There were false Christs in His day. There's always going to be false teaching. But false teaching is just simply, uh, it's just simply this. When you listen to other voices that water down the good news of Jesus Christ as the only way to God, the only way to heaven, that is false teaching. Uh, anything uh, that contradicts, anything that deconstructs, anything that dismisses, anything that adds to or takes away is a false gospel. And you, you, we, we need to stay away from that. We stay away from that when we stay near to this. One of them in the 80s and 90s um, that would pull hard on me and some of the people that I loved uh, was the prosperity gospel. You've heard Pastor Eric talk about that before, the prosperity gospel. Now, that is fortunately passing away a little bit as uh, the, 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 the people who, who were the big, um, who carried that message for, for the longest time. They're getting old. Uh, and, and, so, and, and besides that, there's not a lot of young people that are picking up that message. It's kind of run its course. It's kind of dying out as it should because I... I I think about it this way, the, the always should be wealthy, always should be financially prosperous, always should be healed, never should be sick as they push their glasses up. Uh, you should never have any uh, problems in your body. All of that, that is the same message to the church that Jesus gave or that, that, that Satan gave as he was tempting Jesus in Matthew 4. That, that message, that same temptation that he's tempting Jesus with is the is the same message that the prosperity gospel preachers were preaching to the church for two or three decades. Uh, and, and it did much harm. It took people away from the simple message of Jesus Christ. Uh, and, and it did much harm. So look at what Paul writes about Galatians, in Galatians about false teachers. 
O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? The Galatians were believing that to be a Christian, to be a Jesus follower, you had to also be Jewish. Jesus was Jewish, so you need to follow Judaism, all you Gentiles. Uh, you, you need to follow Judaism. It was false teaching. The Judaizers were teaching it, and these Galatian believers were buying into it. This only I want to learn from you. Paul says, tell me one thing. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, in grace, with the Holy Spirit, you're now being made mature by the works of the law? He's just putting that false teaching right back in their face. So false teaching will pull you away from the simple gospel of Christ. Here's the third one, shiny things. Shiny things, materialism. Now, and I want to say this first and foremost, there's nothing wrong with material things in context. There's nothing wrong with having things. It's when we make an idol out of those things. When we make things bear more weight than they should, when we make them mean what they never were meant to mean, where we put our happiness, I can't be happy, I can't be joyful, I get depressed, I get anxious if I think that I'm not going to have some of these shiny things. I make them bear weight that they were never meant to bear, and I overvalue things, and I undervalue God, and I've made an idol out of shiny things. I love what the Apostle Paul tells young Timothy when he leaves Ephesus and this 20, early 20-year-old 20 Timothy is going to be there. And he's going to pastor this church now. And Ephesus was a, was, a, was a fairly prosperous place. He says, young Timothy, godliness with contentment is great gain. First Timothy 6. For don't fall for it, Timothy. We brought nothing into this world. And it's certain we're not going to carry anything out. And so check your heart. Make sure you're not making an idol out of things. It's easy to do. Things will carry us away. Any idol will. And speaking of such, this is the fourth one is this, and it rivals suffering with what I've seen in 40 years of, of, of uh, following the Lord for, for carrying people away. Uh, and that's people. People. And it, again, it may be the most, uh, or the most powerful one of them all. You may have an unhealthy view of people. You may lean into people in psychologically unhealthy ways. You may need them in, in, in emotional ways. You may make them carry more weight than they were meant to carry. Again, a lot of times people give people ungodly shapes. Uh, I've seen people that will go from one bad relationship to another because they give people that savior uh, image. And, and, and you have to make me happy. You have to meet all my needs. You have to complete me. I'm looking to you, the creation, to get what I should be getting from the creator. People, are, people, are, people can easily be uh, led away uh, by putting their faith in people. Uh, some people morbidly preoccupy with what other people think about them and feel about them. And that can lead to all kinds of anxiety and depression. I know they're talking about me. When I walk off this stage, I know you guys are going to talk about it. And it, it. Believe me, preachers are the worst. Pastors are the worst. We can so lean into people in an unhealthy way, we get very needy. We can be very people-pleasing, and it's not a good place to be. We have to live vertically first. Uh, this is a prescription for it. I heard from Ed Welch. He's one of my favorite authors. He wrote a book called When People Are Big and God Is Small. <laughs> in that book, 
about three-fourths of the way through, he, he gives this little, it's, it's kind of a first step for you if that's you today. It's just this, love people more, need people less. It's a first step for you. Love people more. Don't be so psychologically, emotionally needy of people. I can't love people and need people at the same time. I just can't do it. I'm called to love the Lord my God with all my heart, my mind, my soul, my strength, and love my neighbor as myself. I can't do it. I can't love my neighbor and need my neighbor psychologically, emotionally at the same time. So people. Now those are four reasons that you can walk away from the gospel. Four things that can pull you away from the gospel and from this simple message, this simple faith. Now I want to shift gears and we're going to wrap it up here. Um, we're going to put this on the screen, then I'll talk about it for a moment. A simple faith is designed by God to kill your pride, not your intellect. And, and I included this one for me. I hope it hits somebody else out there. Because when I was a much younger Christian, I always thought that I, I knew I never wanted to get away from the message of, of the gospel. But I had me and God in a little box until one day I, I, I realized, I don't know if it was me or if I was mentored through it, I forget but, but it brings me such great joy to know that, man, God has included all kinds of wonderful mysteries and wonders in the world. You look at the variation uh, that's out there. Uh, you look at the universe. I mean, the stars. Some of that you guys are drawn to. Some of you are drawn to things on the earth. Some of you are drawn to things in the ocean. Some of you are drawn to things within the universe of inside the body. There's so much variation and complexity and all these wonders in the world are meant to be explored. He gave you the most miraculous three pounds of matter in the universe to go and explore. So whatever you're, 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 whatever is curious to you, whatever uh, is it that, that you've got this interest in, man, go for it. But remember, you have a context to put it in. Don't get lost out there among it all. I've got a context to put it in. There's so much wonderful variation. There's so much complexity. It had to come from something. It had to come from somewhere. This thing didn't just happen, this level of all of it. And we all know that, and mathematics proves it. It's less than 0% chance that all of this could have happened from nothing. We know that. It had a creator. It had a designer. We have a context to put it in. And that gave me such wonderful joy because I've, I've got all kinds of interest in all kinds of things, but I have a wonderful context. I have a, an anchor to come back to. And so it, it's designed to kill your, your, your pride, not your intellect. So how does it kill our pride? I want to end with this today. And that is this. The Roman soldiers would have put Jesus on the cross, technically, but it was you and me that killed him. It was us. That simple gospel is for us. We know that it was our sin that killed him. Now, we didn't yell Barabbas, free Barabbas, but we sure yell, free Johnny. <laughs> we yell our own name. I'm not guilty. I, I've got reasons for my sin. If you were married to the woman I'm married to, you'd cheat too. I've heard that before, by the way. If, if you were raised in the home that I was raised in, you'd have anger issues. You'd be violent too. I've heard that one uh, as well. We, we have all kinds of excuses for why we won't change. We won't get help. We just are who we are. That's the way I was made. My daddy was like that and I'm like that. No, you are a stubborn sinner like I was. And all the while, Jesus walks to the cross wearing our shame, wearing our sin, holding our excuses, and willingly puts himself up on a cross in, and, and, and dies a death that I should have died. And there is no room in that for anything 
except humility and gratefulness. When I don't move far away from this, when I keep that simple message of Jesus Christ, Jesus was the Christ. He's the one the prophets and the writings foretold. And he came to the earth and we killed him. Therefore, believe in him, repent, be converted, be saved, find that refreshing. Listen, if that's you today, you, you know more than that, than that 18 year old Johnny did. I guarantee you, you know more about God than I did. It's a simple faith. It's complex in, 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 in its eternity. It's profound in what it does, but it's simple for us. All you need to do is step up and say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I can't save myself and I'm tired of trying. Lord, I want you to come into me. I need refreshing. Save me, Lord. I'll be yours forever in Jesus' name. Say something like that in your heart right now. If you've never done that, there will be no more perfect time to do that. You can be saved today. You can raise up out of that seat, sitting down a beggar, you can raise up out of that seat as a child of God. And so I want to end with this. Two proclamations. We're going to say these together, and then I'm going to pray. My faith in Jesus is simple and strong, and I will not wander away from it. Say that with me, church. My faith in Jesus is simple and strong, and I will not wander away from it. The second one, my faith will feed my intellect, kill my pride. My faith will feed my intellect, and it will kill my pride. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Local Church Podcast. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and review and share what you learned today. You can connect with us at thelocalchurch.com or by searching The Local Church on your favorite social media platforms. We hope you join us next week for a brand new episode. And remember, you matter to God and you matter to us.